all of these little incidents seemed to be reactions of a team under pressure, mm. personally. Mm. Why would you start a fight at halftime? Because that actually is feeding Rog. Why is. would you stir him over? Because you're feeding Aldrit and Rog. Yeah. Why would you not give them the nicest, nicest function room and the biggest you could find? Just to, because all of these things would have actually played yeah. to our they want to they, they were already coming over as the underdogs. They're already coming over to Leinster, who are being lauded and waxed lyrical all week about this amazing mm. team. They're already coming over to the Viva. Everything is already against them. They're being looked at as this team that isn't hasn't a hope of winning. Joe presents House of Rugby together with Bank of Ireland, proud supporter of the four Irish provinces. Hello and welcome to House of Rugby together with Bank of Ireland. I'm Greg O'Shea. And the OGs are in the room. We have Mrs. Lindsay Pete and we have Mrs. Jason Hennessy. <laughs> Sorry, bro. funny, isn't he? <laughs> um, you had a great weekend, guys. I'm actually hung over looking at your stories. You were up to all sorts. And I was um, very all, impressed. Working all weekend. What are you talking about? We're working very busy all weekend, kids. lad. You're very busy working. Basically swimming in a point around the Viva <laughs> Stadium is what you were doing. Work hard, play hard. And you dragged Lindsay Pete in with you. Did you yeah. have a great time, guys? Lindsay, besides the result, we'll get to that. I know you're in pain this morning. Pain. I pain. actually am a little bit as an Irish person and the, it was basically the Irish team. And I, I looked up last night, the starting Leinster team, was, it was 15 internationals, basically the Irish team. And do you want to talk about the result or talk about how much crack you had first? Well, firstly, we're going to say that we left scorch marks, scorch marks on the dance floor. Jason might remember that. I don't really either, but yes, we did. And the band was great. You would, <laughs> I actually found pictures of Jason in front of the stage. I'm going to show you them after. You and Mary Lou oh, MacDonald no. tearing up the stage. <laughs> no, Mar Mary Lou actually wouldn't. I tried to invite her out to the after party, but she wasn't having a bar of it. Yeah. So we recruited who we could. We walked from the Aviva Stadium to the after party, which took us about 45 minutes. We stopped in Smith's and Renla and had a Guinness out of courtesy. Uh, we met Dev Toner and, and oh, Kevin McLaughlin. We uh, They this were in Beggar's now. Bush. What pub yeah. was that? Um, so yeah. You so it was pub great. crawl after the game. Yeah. I robbed a La Rochelle hat and then I look back at the you pictures and I, there's, that's huge regret there. So yeah. I tried to convince Dev that I was heartbroken. He was like, you are. Yeah. <laughs> and you were both there at EPC. I was there with BT, with BT Sport page. Oh, okay. So yeah, we were looking after that kind of stuff, behind the scenes and then you were over. I was you were EPC, EP or C. You got that the wrong, I'm like the European whatever. Yeah. EPCR. Yeah, EPC. That's and one. thank you very much for them for having me as their guest. It was an absolutely Thanks, brilliant day. Nice one. And you had a great time. Unfortunately, obviously Leinster lost. And before we talk about all that, right? Mm -hmm. Lawrence Delalio got chatting to Jason before the game and it's actually crazy how much he teed it up. So listen to this clip. They do go into the game as favourites. Yeah. Um, if you've only got to look at the way Ireland played against France here a few months ago to understand the way that Leinster need to play. But there's one thing saying it, there's quite another thing doing it. And this La Rochelle team are uh, a tough nut to crack for sure. Yeah, I mean, uh, we're a couple hours from kickoff now. Obviously, you've captained England, you've played in big European finals, big test matches. Around this time, coming into a game like this, like, what are the thoughts? What was the captain going to be saying and what's the player going to be thinking as you approach that tunnel, as you get out of that changing room? I think in the uh, in the bigger games, uh, as you become more experienced, and let's be honest, these two sides are, have got vast amounts of experience, huge number of test players, they're coached by... By you know former test player you know players as well, so um, in the bigger games you don't need to say an awful lot. You know the training is is what it is. It's about getting the uh, you know the the emotions intact, getting uh, getting them prepared for the match, uh, and then building it up at the right levels. You know these players know what they need to do. Um, you know to win big matches. Um, so for me personally, it was all about the start of the game, um, and the games don't start on a Friday or a Thursday or a Wednesday. They start at 4.45 so you know as you become more experienced you learn how to build yourself up to you know to be released if you like at 4.45 because uh, discipline is a big part of the game as well now um, you know neither of these sides can afford to be uh, you know down 14 you know yellow carded red carded whatever so that's a big part of it yeah in terms of those key players and key moments of the game like where do you see this game being won or lost well, I mean, if you look at the matchups of the sides, I was just, you know, having another look. Uh, it's just so many good players on each side. You know, you could say the set piece. You look at the back row. Wow, you know, um, some of the best players in the world playing in the back row. Um, you know, European Player of the Year, Josh Van Fleer. You've got Caelan Doris, who's had, been outstanding. But then on the other side of it, you've got Bottia, who we know how, how lethal he can be. Um, I think for me, if you stop 
La Rochelle's carrying game. I think uh, you know you, you go a long way towards stopping their momentum. But uh, it's one thing saying it; it's another thing doing it. They are big, big men, um, and there's a lot of them. So uh, yeah, and look for me, Leinster playing with pace. Um, they've both got the halfbacks to really uh, you know unpick defence. Who are the key players? Every single person in this team is key because you know one one bit of brilliance, one mistake can uh, can cost your team the game. And just finally, score prediction. Well, they. Reliably informed that no team has won by more than 10 points in the last decade or so. So uh, I do think the home team will win. Um, losing twice to La Rochelle is, uh, is bad enough. Losing three times would be not just, not just a, a doubt for Leinster, but also a doubt for Ireland as well. And I, don't mean, I mean that in the nicest possible way. This is effectively the Ireland team yeah. by, by one or two. If you, if you can't close this game out in your own home stadium, then really you start to have a little bit of doubt about what's going to happen when you travel to France. So I do expect Leinster to win and I expect them to win well. So you bumped into him on the way to the stadium, Jason, was it? No, we like, so we like, the stuff we were doing all weekend was we were kind of being brought around with BT, like as I suppose, Greg, like, like Greg O'Shea style influencers, like I suppose, you know, going around with our cameras and doing some interviews. <laughs> I was doing it on the weekend oh, over in Twickenham actually. Yeah, so yeah, I was taking a leaf out of your book, I was practicing all week, taking notes, going, okay, how can I be more like Greg? And <laughs> now, can I just say you looked very well? I told you that on the weekend, you did. You very much. But yeah, no, we were chatting to all of them, like, it's a great crack. We were chatting to Austin Healy, Lawrence Delalio, um, Martin Bayfield, Ben Kay, Brian O'Driscoll. But yeah, Delalio, as you saw in that clip, he absolutely teed it up perfectly and almost. But it's, it's like, you know, with Crystal Ball, like yourself, he knew exactly what was coming. Yeah. And he cried in the end, unfortunately. For a while there, I was like, oh, my prediction's going to come true here. Leinster got to about mid-20s points and Larissa were tra- trailing behind. Mm. But as Delalio said there, it was just relentless pressure and they just kept coming. Mirage talked about it afterwards in the post-match interview that they found that they could get up on the mall, but they weren't getting any return. But they kept plugging away and eventually they cracked and mm. Leinster just couldn't deal with it. What do you think, Lindsay? I think just the pressure, unfortunately, got to them. I, they had the ball for... 16 seconds I think was a stat put up by Murray Kinslet over the weekend in the second half from when the second half started and if you do not have ball in hand the amount of tackles that Leinster made statistically I think had over 16 seconds as far as I know that's what I read the whole second half no that can't be true to, oh sorry oh, till they oh. scored the try I beg you're right yeah, yeah, till the scored. 73rd minute and it was just you cannot play any game of rugby without the ball in hand and mm. I just felt there was times where yeah you obviously have we have an exit. You always have an exit play in your uh, in your five meter. They got some really, really key turnovers, and then they just kicked the ball away. And I'm like, mm. why can't we slow the ball down here now and just put some phases together, slow the momentum? Even someone go down injured, do something, just break that momentum from La Rochelle because all they were doing was giving the ball back. And it's easy for me to say here. We've all been there. Um, I bring up the 2014 final with, with Dublin, and we were ten points up. You never recover from that. I don't mm-hmm. think so anyway. Mentally, it's going to take an, an awful lot now. Having lost the Munster last week. And I thought, right, okay, this is the kick up the arse we needed. And then, but there was little, t- like Roger's pre-match interview, he was so relaxed. He was chilled. In his red hoodie. I, do you know what? I was like, <laughs> is he into putting Munster red on him now on purpose? They're not Lavishell colours. Just little I'm pretty sure he got that made up for the weekend. I'd say there's a little something there now. Yeah, <laughs> here we go. Now here, let's Munster. bring it back to Monster. But How can we bring it back to Monster now? <laughs> we'll have a big section about Monster later on in the pod because they have a big game this weekend. Hopefully, they can bring some silverware home. Um, but we'll stick with this Leinster Larochelle game. Larochelle obviously won 27-26, one point. So over the last three years, Larochelle have knocked Leinster out of the European Cup. And like it's getting to the stage now. I know we're Munster men, Jason, mm. but it's like I actually feel bad for the Leinster lads. Because they haven't won a trophy, any silverware in two years. Yeah. Last thing they won was the URC. I think they won URC four years in a row. Yeah, yeah. And now they haven't won anything for the last two years, including yeah. this year. Yeah. And they've been arguably the best team in Europe, but they're just not getting over the finish line. There's something there. Is it a mental issue? Is it coaching staff? Because they're going to lose Lancaster now. There's something wrong in the Leinster camp. Is it just they have this monkey on their back with La Rochelle? What you think I think is? when you want something so bad... The fear of not winning it maybe then like impedes the the game management side of things because like they're exceptional group of players. They mm. like look at their three tries that they scored in the first like what twenty minutes. Like it was absolutely ridiculous. Some of the rugby, the line out to start it, but 
there was little, when the momentum swung, even Jacob Piper then started to give the rub of the green to La Rochelle. So nothing started to go away. Like I thought the Jimmy O'Brien call for taking Raul in the air was ridiculous. I thought yeah. it was a ridiculous call. Yeah, that was a harsh call. Um, he missed it. We, we spotted it there. Pat will put it up. Um, uh, shoulder on head on Alatoa uh, for their try, for La Rochelle's try. I didn't think it was a grounding. I saw a boot under the ball. Um and I just thought there was little moments where, yes, Leinster didn't manage the game very well, I thought, with just when they when they got the ball back. They didn't break the La Rochelle's momentum. But because of that, then it swung to the refereeing side, do you know? So I just think there was key moments that unfortunately lost in the game. There wasn't one thing. It was just a number of little, little things that chipped yeah. away and they chipped away here. Well, Jason, you spoke with O'Driscoll last week about how they're going to win the game. And he mm. said they had to get a good start. And yeah. they got... The best start you could ask for. They seventeen nil up after thirteen minutes, like a handful of tries. They scored yeah. after forty one seconds, yeah. and also Carbarlo, arguably Larissell's best player, got a yellow card. Mm. Like you couldn't have dreamt of a better start. So, do you think the issue was they got too far out ahead, too far out ahead? They got the start they wanted, and then they just went defensive, and they were like, "Okay, we need to protect this," which is the wrong mindset to take. Or what do you think it was, Jason? I think it's inexcusable when you look back at that. You think about it: seventeen nil after thirteen minutes. If that was any other team, like you know, any team in the world, you'd be like, that is absolutely inexcusable to throw away a game at that level at the, at the final mm. with the team and with the bench that they had. At home, is at it? At home, it's like in their home stadium. Like, and it brings us back to some of the, the Irish games over the years where we were losing those games and we really shouldn't have been losing them. So you do look at, is it a mindset thing? But I don't think so because I think they've done that with Ireland. They've gotten over that mental barrier and a lot of them have won trophies and won Six Nations and a few of those guys were part of that 2017-2018 team. So they mm. have won it. So, I mean, does it come down to coaching? Does it come down to the fact that O'Gara just had a better drill and was a better game plan? The fact that he was able to get him back up at half time, he was able to, he was in their ear throughout the game. Also, you come back to the fact that that just power game, that relentless power game. Look at Dante's try, like that was, there wasn't much skill in that. That was just a guy absolutely blowing you back on your arse and going over the line. And that's kind of their style of play. And maybe as beautiful as Leinster's play is in these games when they're not being challenged so much. Like, but they weren't really challenged throughout a lot of the pool stages. They're rarely challenged in the URC. Mm. So, but when you do get to these levels and get to these big games, that that's what's catching them out. Well, you have to win dirty, don't you? That's, that's and I'm just not sure they know how to win dirty. Yeah. Like, Ringrose bounced off Dante for that, like, tackle. Like, he still had an awful lot of work to do. And I thought some of the times, like, there was some brilliant reads by him and Henshaw, but then... There was other tackles were probably a little bit simpler that maybe should have finished. And as I said, it's easy for me to sit here and say, but like, it's those road degrees. I thought Will Skelton as well, he started to really chip away. He was starting to get mouthy. He was starting to hold them in. He was just really just goading them. And I was waiting for some Leinster players to just, just take take the game by the scruff of the neck. Just start yeah. absolutely, just start, thump, like, now I don't mean physically thumping lads, but just take the ball under your jumper and just start bouncing off people. Just do something. And I don't think anybody for me really stood up and, and showed leadership and took the game by the scruff of the neck. James Ryan was off was a big loss. Johnny was a big loss. Yeah, they went down to their third choice captain in Gary Ringrose, which isn't obviously a bad option. No. But that for Leinster as a leadership group, that's obviously tough to see their leaders going off the pitch. And James Ryan got another concussion. Isn't ideal in no. the lead up to a World Cup. Hopefully he's not too bad. But do you think... It's kind of like the obvious um, elephant in the room, Johnny Sexton not being in the squad. Do you think he would have been that mental edge to tune the boys in and grab it by the scruff of the neck and get it over the line? Because there seemed to be a few just like decision making when they go for post, where they could have gone for a try. Mm. Even the last um, penalty where Ross Byrne was 45 metres out on the left, like he has a big boot. Could he have gone for that kick? But they tried to go for the try and then Alatoa got the red card. Was there just kind of indecision there that shouldn't be happening at that top level of final rugby? Um, and Johnny Sexton would have been that decision maker. It's easy to sit here and say, look, I feel for the lads. I really do. So it's really easy to sit here and we analyse the game. I've been on the underside of a player. So can I just make it clear? I really am heartbroken for them. Mm, same. Um, I can't imagine the hangover today. Just lads, you know meet up have some time with each other just get through whatever you need to do because you do hurt like you put in so much work for this and you want it so bad but 
on the other side, it's it's easy to sit there. I would I'm thinking to myself, why didn't we take the three points? Because when you have yeah. when you can't rely on going through phases in the last two and a half minutes of a game and hope for a try, because at that stage, right, it's easy for the opposition to just keep or lift for two and a half minutes. Yeah. It really is like you just will do anything because you're holding on to that lead. And then as the attacking team, you're like, OK, quick ball, quick ball. We need to get it. And you're you're just all rushes of the blood to the head. Whereas I'm like, settle it. Take your three points. We would have got the ball back even if we had a miss. Like they would have had to kick off or we would have, you know, a kick receive um, or they would have we would have scored it and we would have got the ball back. It's just ball up the jumper stuff then. Mm. But as I said, I I thought myself like Ross Byrne was he was. You know, he kicked well other than the two conversions. He was testing the grass. I was like, no, he's going for this here. And then they went for the corner. And like your hooker's off, you know. Strange um, decision. It really was. Wasn't it? Do you know, I think the timing of the scores and as well, I think very much La Rochelle played cup rugby in the fact that I remember, of course, I left at, uh, at half time in about 36 minutes to go to the bar because sure, obviously I'm a monster man. So yeah. I was like, ah, they're fine. They just, uh, Linster had just kept La Rochelle out I had a dropout mm. goal line dropout and I was like 37 minutes gone and I was like okay they have to get into half time it's fine then I hear cheer and then I just I'm coming up the stairs and let the try in just before half time so the two most crucial scores in the game they let in just before half time and at the final whistle yeah. and that's the you can't do that in cup rugby you just no. can you not for half time on. anyway so like could you imagine as we said you know it was 17-0 after 12-13 minutes mm. can you imagine then they go in 23-14 at half time all of a sudden that half time talk the difference what it would have been, what it could have been for both sides mm. is phenomenal. And that's probably why, as we saw, Leinster scored their last point, their last set up, their last set of points. Of 46 penalty. minutes. 46 minutes mm. they scored a penalty and then they didn't score again after that. Yeah, so whatever happened at half time. They essentially didn't score in the second half. Yeah, put a 46 <laughs> minute penalty, I think it was. Yeah. But it was the, yeah, it was Lara Shell's resilience to, to get on the score sheet just before half time. Like Dante obviously ran through Gary Ringrose. Now, it's obviously a very tough person to, to tackle, like, so it's not enough guy ringing on no, his back. Wasn't. But they still had numbers um, up. There was still, still three months. Yeah. But then Soutini's try, I was like, how is there such a big gap? I think they mind? were slow to fold. Yeah, but because it was a mismatch, and Jesus, they picked the gap very well. And he picked it, he went down Ross Burns' channel the first play, the first half, wasn't he? He got yeah. a line break. Yeah. He went through Ross Burns' channel, and he just absolutely ghosted. And again, it was, uh, I think he might, he must have bit in and created that. And I'm like, you have numbers here now. Why aren't you all just one-on-one -on -one tackling and trusting here? Mm. Um, because that then cut in, just created that gap and he just were but on the so back foot again. it's so impressive that La Rochelle were able to break down Leinster to, to that level, like to mm. make those massive gaps in your 22. Because your 22, you're not dealing with back three. So the fullback's coming into the line, the wingers are in the line. Yep. You basically should have 15 people on your feet if you're not in the ruck. And they just had massive porous gaps. And I was like, this is a really efficient La Rochelle team to mm. not let all this stuff affect them to get a score sheet. And they went in at halftime 23-14, which is like, they're, okay, this yeah. game is on, like, yeah. as you were mentioning there, Jason. 23-7 like, would have been a whole different ball game. You know yeah. what I mean? 23-7, you would have been like, okay, we're fine. Let's kick a few penalties in the second half. We have this, we have this cup. Mm. We've one hand on the trophy. But... If, if you don't fold around in that last minute or two and keep them out and look that's what happens in cup final if you give a team like La Rochelle at that level a sniff mm. and then it was the first points after the second half then as well yeah yeah. well I'll tell you what La Rochelle now to be fair to them do very well right so yeah. when they clear the rock mm. they keep men on the ground so it's really not all also very you know because Leinster are so efficient they're so fit right so it might not have been necessarily that people were falling. I think what was happening was La Rochelle just lie on fellas on the rook and they create those gaps. I'm sure you know, Lindsay, that's part of the game. Like. Oh, like, Listen, yeah. I, that's dirty in the final. That's, I have told our girls probably. on many occasions, yeah. be cynical. Mm. Yeah, it's, it's not It's not your job. You keep you keep two people on the ground with yeah. one of you, then we're we're up one. Yeah. You, It's a numbers game here, people. Yeah. It's a numbers game. We used and to they train did like it very that well. with, the, with the Irish Sevens team. They'd yeah. be like, if you get a guy on the rock, yeah. hold him in there it's his own fault for getting sucked into that rock and it works as you can see Lindsay yeah and we're too honest we've done that at international level like, and we, we laud the likes of Peter Armani and stuff when they yeah. do things like that because oh, monster again anymore count this back we laud sorry we can oh, even you see the likes of Furlong or Porter yeah. do it at international level and we laud players when they do that because you know you're, you're pushing the boat you're, you're playing playing on the edge mm. do you know Having that kind of having that dog in your team makes all the difference. Yeah, and I think Lance Larchell had several of them in their, in their squad. Mm -hmm. Several of them in their, their and they started team. to kill us at scrum time as well. I mm -hmm. thought that was a big key area. We were really, really under the cosh at scrum. Uh, yeah. They that was actually a key turning point. I think um, we're going to say maybe the, anywhere between fifty five, sixty five minutes. Um, they actually won a, our ball back on the scrum, 
And that's, again, another just big chip and a big turning point. So yeah. all these little wins that Leinster were getting, they were just giving the ball back. And the amount of good things that La Rochelle were doing when they had the ball in the second half, it just it's just a killer. And I could just see it chipping away. Everything started yeah. swinging in La Rochelle's. And that is knockout rugby. Big pivotal moments. At try before half time. The first points when you come out of the dressing room as well. It's just two big whammies. And then the cards were another issue. There's a lot of ill-disciplined. Carbarlo, obviously, we mentioned for not Cynical. getting back 10 mm. and taking down um, Gibson Park. But then there was the yellow card that Dante got for hitting Doris High. What did we make of that? Now, we heard in the ref's mic that it was... Mm. He hit the chest and came up, and that was mitigating factors. I didn't factors. think he hit the chest. Yeah, but I, I was like, could have even, been a red card. Yeah, if it was a red card, I don't think anyone yeah. would have complained. No, yeah. I think it should have been a red. I don't remember him hitting the chest. He he got a fair yeah. whack of Dante's shoulder, and yeah. he's not a small man. Yeah, and then we only saw one angle of it, or maybe on the other side it would have been lower. But because the refs obviously in a better position, and the TMO can see stuff, but. It still was a very big collision to the head. like, And I thought all season what we're trying to do is get rid of that stuff. Mm. Yeah, but the TMO had to call uh, yeah. Jacob Piper in his ear. Like he actually had to then go to, yeah. you know, have a look at it. And I was like, you were right in front of that. Mm. Like it was yeah. a blind side. Like it wasn't like there was a, like a whole collision base and people were latching. That was... Everyone you, saw it. Like, everyone yeah. saw it. Yeah. And you did not even go and have a look at it yourself. You had to be prompted. So I thought that was strange now. And you think um, the TMOs are having a bit too much influence on these games because you can hear over the ref mic, the TMO said mitigating factors, he slid up from the chest or hit, hit a lot of body contact or something was the phrase used. And Jakob Piper just reinforced that. So, and I think that happened a couple of weeks ago as well with Wayne Barnes. He heard something over the TMO and mm. just said it straight away. So do you think that the TMOs are getting too much power here sitting up in the office wherever they are with their computers rather than the ref being down there seeing it with the naked eye? So I think there's two points to this. One, it's a cup final, right? Like refs have adrenaline as well. There's a lot of pressure, I would think, on your shoulders. You're this defining person, you know, with decisions you make. So I can imagine you want to be as fair as possible. Don't take away from the spectacle itself. Mm. What I would do as a TMO is call him to have a look at it personally. Let him have a look at it and then ask, say to the referee, do you want my opinion on it? Mm. Do you want a hand with this? How are you find it? And I think then, to, because when the TMO says, in my opinion, uh, oh, a lot of body contact mitigating factors. That seed is already planned for Jack Piper. So to me, I would let him have a look, see what he's seen. He's obviously seen it live. He's now gone to the big screen. He's had time to make his own decision and then say, OK, do you have something different here? This is my opinion. And then they chat it out. It's very hard in the moment, um, but I wouldn't plan. I wouldn't let the TMO give their decision mm. first. Yeah. That's it. There was another incident as well in the first half. I remember, I know it's not a malicious incident, but there was an incident with Jamison Gibson Park where um, Leinster got pinged for a knock-on and it wasn't a knock-on. No. And then he stopped and he got into Piper's ear and he was like, and you're not looking at the replays on the screen. And they showed it in the stadium five or six times. And I was like, blatant, it mm -hmm. wasn't a Leinster knock-on. And he was like, I'm not listening to you. I'm not going to TMO. And you're kind of like, what? I just To me, it's kind of like, okay, if it's a blatant and clear incident and it's all over the screens and we're seeing the replays, mm. then we check it and we go back and we get the decision correct. Yeah. So sometimes, especially I think in a final, and it's the, probably the biggest game in club rugby is the European Championship yeah. final. I don't think anyone would disagree with me there. No. And when you get to that, like every decision, if it takes a bit of time, and sometimes it does take a bit of time, but is it not... Better we take more time and realise, well, we got to the right decision mm. in the end. Let's think so keep it fair and just, yeah. Correct. We want the best team to win based on the best decisions. And I'm not saying that would have influenced the result, but we don't want to be looking back every week and going, okay, maybe this should have been it. Take all the bloody time you need. There was the too many right. of them for me, though, in that match. Like I said, the, the Jimmy, the knock-on, yeah. the, then the the shoulder to Alatoa's head. Like yeah. there was just so many little, little moments. Now I know they wanted, Gary and Rose wanted Dante's first try, but <coughs> actually Dante's finish um, to ground that ball was excellent. Yeah. He actually used his, uh, the opposite hand to what he was holding the ball in when he was class. carrying. Yeah, it was yeah. absolutely class. So um, initially I was like, Damn, he knocked that on, he dropped it before. <laughs> but then actually, if you see the replay from a different angle, he actually changed his hands. He, was, he, he did exceptionally well. Dante, yeah, he had a great game in fairness. Um, Back to the cards. So then he obviously went off with the yellow card, which essentially was a red card because mm. there was only nine minutes left in the game. Yeah. And then Alatoa came down and he hit Colombe in the head and knocked him out. Yeah, no clean. complaint really with that. You can't complain with that. Like no. He dropped his shoulder, you can see it. I still think though that incident, like as in we only saw it this morning, looking back at that incident after La Rochelle's winning Troy and seeing mm. Alatoa getting hit. But it's the exact same kind of movement the other way around. And I only heard it when I came in here and Pat yeah, was showing Pat me. Jones. Is it like public knowledge that... 
it, was, it was the other way around as well. I'm assuming that's going to be out there now. Like, well, if not, like Pat's going to be tweeting it all morning. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I mean. So like, for reference, just for so people know what we're talking about, when um, Cologne scored a try to go ahead for La Rochelle and Alatoa was tackling, a guy came in behind and hit Alatoa on the top of the head. Yeah. Just exact same as Alatoa does then a couple mm. of minutes later, but it wasn't picked up. So yeah, so that probably would have like, if that was picked up, that would have chalked the try off realistically because even though the try was good, there's, there's um, malice in it. I'm not sure they grounded the ball either personally. I can see a boot under that ball. There. there was, thank you. There, there was, was a boot play, there. Yeah. Thank boot, you. There I didn't see. Play, so maybe mm. they should have taken a lot more time on that because that is the winning score mm. at 75 minutes in a European Champions Cup final. You've got to take a look at that if you've got to take a look at that. Yeah, the thing is, I was thinking that as well when I was watching on mm. TV. I was like, oh, there's a boot there. But then you look at all the Leinster players, the ref is there, the La Rochelle guys, none of them were like, what are you talking about, ref? It's like, everyone kind of like accepted it. Mm. So I'm going to presume when they saw it, the ball touched the ground. Because you, okay. you, no. you'd always have Leinster like going, no, go upstairs, <laughs> no. Timo, Timo. Like you do, yeah, yeah. you always do. If Sorry, you're, you're back, right? I love you, right? But I'm a forward. When you're in on your five metre line and you're absolutely hitting everything in a yellow jersey and there's just a pile of bodies, you couldn't even see your own shoe, let alone a ball being grounded. Genuinely, you're just hitting everything. You wouldn't see a thing, genuinely. And this is where I'm like, and Jacob Piper is like, he's searching, searching, he just seen like, if I was Colum, I'd be like, oh yeah, right, there's a boot and I'm just going to move the ball forward. Like, come on. I don't no. know, Lindsay. I don't know. There's a lot of. Eyes I know. Down I can there, hear no. you. She's clutching at straws. I don't care. I'm sticking with it. It's a bit. Well, anyway, we, we can't undo it. <laughs> Patrick. Just one for me here. Could Al Alatoa have been concussed when he made that shot at the end as well? Did he know where he was? Oh, Absolutely. After getting hot, hit in yeah. the top of the head. See? Yeah. This is yeah. a good point, Patrick. These are all great points. Listen, you Could just check out our media for the week because there's <laughs> going to be a lot of arguments all put in video sense, which we should have used throughout the game. <laughs> Um, so that's it La Rochelle two time champions and knock Leinster out the last three years I do feel bad for Leinster I know we're taking the piss a little bit me and Jason here but we do feel bad to Leinster because they deserve some silverware for the last two years but they have nothing to show for it so we'll see what happens now with Leinster going forward but uh, Jacques Nienberg's coming in yeah. they don't really have many new players coming in um, and before I ask you Lindsay about like what you think Leinster need to do there was a bit of post-match drama as well. Mm. Did you hear about all this? Supposedly there was words between Sean O'Brien and Johnny Sexton in the tunnel outside the ref's room. No, Ro was it not Raj? Or no, Raj, Raj had to get involved. Yeah, Raj and Sean O'Brien, yeah. Um, there was words between Will Skelton and Johnny Sexton, I think, at one stage. There was all this kind of stuff. And Raj was saying there was loads of crap with um, like getting organised of getting hotels after room functions yeah yeah um, on the way to the stadium they suppose there's Leinster fans causing a ruckus what do you make of all this kind of drama Jason I, I, there's two ways of looking at that now like in a, in a, it's one way it's kind of like okay maybe they should have been if if this is true like them and they weren't looked after in such a way maybe they weren't they should have been given what they were asked for but at the same time you also have to remember that the fact that it was on in the Viva it's you're the home side technically like you're going to mm. do these things and you're going to have you're going to be looked after a bit better. But I think there was a few different reports. Like one was where they wanted a function room, but they were offered one that wasn't big enough for them or something, and they got one across the road. And then there was that incident with the handshake with Aldrich mm. and... James Ryan. James Ryan. And in the photograph, you can see he kind of looks at him, but I think he just kind of glanced at him. He just felt like he disrespected him. Yeah, what, what, what happened there, I think it came out, was Aldrich... The translation was miscued, and what happened was Aldred, what they thought he said was, James Ryan didn't look me in the eye yeah, and yeah. disrespect me. What actually happened was, James Ryan stared him out of it okay. and like, tried to intimidate him. Okay. And the translator got it wrong, yeah. which is still weird. Like, why would you try and stare it out? It's just tossing a coin. Like, yeah. I look, I, I wouldn't look too much into it. Like, I think it's mine games. I think at the end of the day, maybe they're a little bit pissed off, a little agree, but they won at the end of the day, so they can't have too many complaints. And these things are going to happen in finals. It's always going to happen in rugby. But as long as I don't think there's anything, they're small little things. Oh, maybe more will come over to me. It sounds like small little things that people are just getting their knickers in a twist for no reason. Over. <laughs> I love that phrase. <laughs> knickers you know in a mean? twist, yeah. <laughs> that's what, to me, that's what it sounds like. I don't I, think there's anything like... No, I think you're right. But I'll tell you what I think. I said this, I think, on the show that my biggest fear was actually not La Rochelle themselves, but Rog being the brains behind it. So for me, all of these little incidents seemed to be reactions of a team under pressure, mm. personally. Mm. Why would you start a fight at halftime? Because that actually is feeding Rog. Why yeah. would you stare him over? Because you're feeding Aldrit and Rog. Yeah. Why would you not give them the nicest, nicest 
function room and the biggest you could find just to because all of these things would have actually played yeah. to our they wanted strength. to keep, they, they were already coming over as the underdogs they're already coming over to Leinster who are being lauded and waxed lyrical all week about this amazing mm. team they're already coming over to the Viva everything is already against them they're being looked at as this team that isn't hasn't a hope of winning same again before the match every single pundit every single journalist every single fan reporter were like yeah Leinster will win it some saying the bookies had Leinster let's not forget the bookies had Leinster minus 14 oh my god final. Like. minus 14 so never as you said that. and you're giving them this then as well no. it's there just yeah. there going licking their lips going come on Come on, keep at us. Yeah. What did O'Gara come from? Like, and I, you know, you know, we're going to go back to again all those bloody years of Munster being the underdogs. And what did it do? It just fired him up. Oh, it just Made them win them. games that they weren't supposed to win. Yeah. And he, he lives off that. I'd love to know what happened with the Leinster fans on the way to the game. I want to know more about that because I don't in. like that. So we, don't we, like that. we came out for the buses and stuff, and we were there at PT, and they were doing all their links to camera, and we were doing a bit of footage around us. And the, there was loads of Leinster and our shell fans mm. waiting. And we were waiting there for about 10 minutes going, what's going on? But the Leinster bus had already gone well in. The Leinster bus was, was in about 20 minutes. And we were waiting another 20 minutes before the La Rochelle bus came. So the La Rochelle bus came, must have been 30, 40 minutes after the Leinster bus. So maybe there was delays with fans, but the bus couldn't get through or something like that. Okay. They did get a guard escort, but they did arrive much later than Leinster. But these were all a team that's relaxed. You know what I mean? See, so I watched Rogers pre-match. So relaxed. Now, I mean, so chilled. He was, you know, obviously giving Jack Hurley shit that he's from he Cork. Was, he, he was hilarious. home. Was he was hilarious. Brilliant. He was so, just smiling and laughing, having a joke. Yeah. And then it kind of, and I watched then Leo Cullen. He was just, he was himself. But I was, again, I was just like, mm, he's not as chilled. Like, you have to be chilled. And like, even Roger say, I didn't want to be the coach I was as a player. I wanted to be more chilled. Yeah. I didn't want to have so much pressure on me. I want to enjoy it. That man looks like a man enjoying himself. He didn't once look like he was under pressure in that mm. in that as the camera kept going to him he just kept his team plugging away and then you know he talked about Skin and, and Dunica Ryan and I just think Shkin he says about the people you know you get the good people in first to build and then you cha- you, yeah. you start to adapt them and change them to what you need and I just think what he's done on his man management side and a friend of mine said to me at halftime so obviously we were live at the game she said the diff- she said she felt something different for Leinster and she the writings were on the wall because she felt that the when they went to the dressing room, right, all the La Rochelle coaches were in at their players and firing them, firing them up. Whereas Leinster, they, they didn't see any, she didn't see any coaches off. It was kind of the players managing themselves. And I found that strange because as much as you're an elite player, you still, you know, your halftime huddles, you go to mm. forward, you go to backs and you kind of discuss it. So, look, these are the kind of the little moments I'm thinking, right, where were your head at? You know, yeah, as the song yeah. goes, where's Even your head at? Some of the questions that were being asked to him inside in that, that pre-match presser, and, and they were very just same as the year before, a bit mm. derogatory, a bit kind of like the usual stuff from the Irish journalist. And even the one about Dave Eva and his his answer was so good. It was mm. like, you forget this is a home game for me too. <laughs> How many mm. times has he played in Lansdowne Road? How many big moments memories. he had there? And he's like, when I walked in, he said it's like it was like a time warp. He said it was brilliant for me. Mm. So he's coming in like and he's relaxed, kind of coming back to his place. And just it was the same as last year. Like last year, everyone was putting him down, and he was like, you know. Come back to me after the weekend. Everyone expects us to lose. I don't. Do you Brilliant. Know? And that's just the way he is. Mm. Well, he, he seems to be an expert at man management. Um, I, I listened to a lot of interviews that he did afterwards and all he kept talking about was the people in, in La Rochelle, the, me, the mm. men behind the players, the families. And one thing he had them do, I don't know if you, you heard about this, was he got everyone to bring a photo of someone that mattered to them in their life mm. into the dressing room they had that in the dressing room so I think Rog had a photo of his mom there and people had like wives girlfriends kids so mm. like that's what they went in at halftime and would have seen that in the room which is lovely like and even after when they were lifting the trophy they had all the families lifting it together and they planned an open bus tour when they get back so it seems like he's really built a nice like environment for these guys mm. and he said one thing I, he said as well which really stuck with me was he's like he's not going to deal with every player as the same thing. He's going to be like, you're an individual, Jason, you're an individual, Lindsay. If you're having a tough day at home, I'm not going to come in and give you a bollocking. Like, I need Mm. to know what's going on Mm. in your life. So I'm going to be a bit easier than you on a Monday morning. And like, even though I might feel better about myself for giving out to you, that doesn't, you don't receive that very well. Mm. And he's individually found out what each of his players is like. And like, do you think half the managers in the world do that? No way. I've had so many coaches in my time. Some of them wouldn't even remember your name. Like, do you know what I mean? And this guy is literally finding out family issues. It's very important. Like some people need shouting at, some people need an arm around their shoulder. Everyone's different. Everyone reacts differently to things. And, To be able to know each player goes, well, he's the kind of guy I need to shout at. If I don't shout at him, he won't move. But the other guy's like, put your arm around him and tell him, is everything okay? 
Yeah. He spoke about Will Skelton being nervous and he said about Giddy, like he said, oh, I know he's Giddy, he's Giddy now, that's his nervous now. How do I how do I deal with him and get him off? And I just thought that was brilliant. And I think that's the difference with when you have such skillful players, it's now the man management to let them just express themselves as a player and create that environment where they're not afraid to lose. They're not mm. af- afraid to play. They're not afraid to express themselves. And I think we just saw the epitome of that with their comeback the weekend. And look, I'll take opportunity to congratulate Rochelle and Rog. Do you see his reaction at full time as well? You rarely see that from a coach when it goes to the camera, spanked him right. at full time on the TV like, and he just started going, F yes, F yes, yeah, F yes. It's class. And his like, face mm. is almost pink with emotion. Yeah. So, like, and hard work pays off. Also, I was mentioned before we move on, he did mention once again he was asked the question and he said I do want to coach Ireland at some stage yeah. so I think obviously we don't like Farrell is there and Farrell is doing an unbelievable job and I think because he's done it now that's another Champions Cup mm. like whenever he wants that job when it pops up when it's available it's there for him I think and he will take it at some stage well he said the best for the job didn't he I yeah. think he alludes to the fact that when he's ready he'll get it you know yeah. both for himself and the decision it's inevitable isn't it yeah and he said he's never long term you know right now I think it's philosophy on himself I would think and I'd say he's changed as a man from what he was as a player. Do you know what I mean? And he's a lot more, I think, he seems happier. He's enjoying mm. himself and he's not long-term. He said he's happy, he's healthy, his family are healthy and he'll well, take one day at a time. He's very happy sitting down in La Rochelle in the sun with two Champion Cup medals around his neck. Next week. So I think Top. they haven't won that yet like, and that is huge in France. So I think they want to win that as well. So yeah, but he said he'd be cele- they'd be celebrating for the week, he said. That they'd be on the piss for the week is what he said. Then then I'm, I'm sure he's just playing that up a little <laughs> yeah. bit. Like, if he wants the top 14. Part of me thinks he's actually not. Well, he might not be, yeah, but I'm just, unless he's playing a different squad because you can't roll out a lot of hungover lads to try and win a semi-final but sure he didn't play some of his best line out winners uh, they were starting on the bench so statistically he'll just go with whoever's playing yeah. for that well, opposition a fella that was on the bench was Mr. Alton Delan, and we need to give a shout out to him so he, proud so good Irish lad it was in Connacht decided to leave the Irish shores and go over to Rogers La Rochelle and I think it was because he promised his late mother that he mm. would go play in France again because he's half French yeah, or something yeah, like that. Yeah. That's lovely. Beautiful for him. Great images of him afterwards. Yeah. So he's a great guy. I played with him on the, on the way up in under 18s and 19s and stuff. Really good guy. He's a lovely he, guy. You mentioned him yeah. in the thing as well as he, he, when he, in the match, the pre-match and stuff because he, he started the quarterfinal and he started the semi-final and he benched him for the mm. final and stuff and he was mm. just on about his progression and what he, like, bringing him over and mm. when he first came over like he didn't, he didn't start he didn't start really well for him it took him a while to get into the team and he's like that's something I'm learning as a coach when you bring someone into a new environment especially from another country it takes him about six months to mm. get settled and get ready and I've seen that with Ulton I've seen like the difference he's made once I gave him time to breathe once I said okay sit down there relax learn everything understand the culture mm. and then he became like he was on the bench yesterday and then played a key role he was playing six as well in the quarter and semi. Yeah. so he's been a great addition to him like, it's Huge great thing. to see another good another good monster man going over doing a job he's, no, he's, a good carry man he's man yeah, yeah so. good carry man and he was given they, all the, they were all gave their shorts to the kids did you see that I saw that yeah they After all gave the game, their shorts yeah. the Larachelle gear is yeah. lovely in fact. it actually it's is nice. I bought my godson a Larachelle jersey with his name on the back in number oh. 10 so yeah, yeah, it's that class. yellow just kind of pounces like maybe you know. Roger will send us a jersey or two we'll wear it next it's week on the show nice <laughs> gear, like. um, also shout out to Gregory Aldred captain and EPCR PCR. player of the year very well deserved yep. think no one can argue with that no, no. he was excellent yeah class um, so Lindsay what for Leinster next what are they going to do how are they going to get over the line how are they going to get some silverware and capitalise on all this domination throughout the season I think they need to bottle this hurt right now as motivation. And I think also some of, on personal experience, some of the the games I've wanted to win most, I haven't performed as a player individually. And the teams I played with, we wanted it so much you don't perform collectively. So I think though as much as we want that coveted like fifth star, we've seen again, they're not easy to come by no matter how good a team you are. So I think now it's, we have to go back to being able to win dirty. You know, you have to win cup rugby. Cup rugby, knockout rugby is very different to, you know, going through a season unbeaten. Like if you think about Leinster, they're exceptional. And yet they come away with nothing. And that's how fickle sport is. That's it's the flip of a coin. It's the, you know, it's just the switch of a blade of grass. It's just small, minute moments that make you a winner. And you're sitting here on a Monday morning with a, a gold medal wrapped around your neck or you're there with a silver. And I just think you have to be. I think they need more. 
more brawn and they need to now look at the leadership style maybe a little bit more I the manage, management. would agree yeah. yeah I think so they're losing James Tracy's obviously gone Sexton everyone's saying that was his last mm. game for Leinster a couple of weeks ago Dave Carney's gone Jacques Nienbar's coming in the mm. South African coach he might be the guy to just change that mindset a little bit just tighten the screw to give these Leinster lads that extra bit of edge that they might need to win mm -hmm. these finals because they haven't won a final in two years as we said haven't won the European Cup since the 2017-18 yeah. year mm. and haven't won the URC since the 2021 year so that's two years ago including this year and it's just not good enough and maybe they need the likes of like thinking back like remember like Rocky Elsom and someone mm. like that's like a dog inside that yeah or he slip even was like, like kind of like that as well yeah. do you think they're just so clean cut and so efficient that they're just missing that dogged edge do you know what I think they're missing now to be honest with you if I'm looking at it I don't I don't I wouldn't I think we're looking too far into the coaching and the players and stuff the more I think about it because we're looking back the last time they won it was 2017 2018 mm -hmm. and they're dominating the URC because they're so far ahead but even in the Champions Cup for the last several years we have that stupid format of two pools of 12 which we've been complaining about for mm. ages and there's very little competition there's very little dog in the pool stages there's very little kind of you got to go over you got to mm. win these games they breeze through it and we said it before we said this multiple times in the pod before that they have too easy a run because they're too good for their own good <laughs> so that when they get to a stage they don't have these big matches they don't have much of them and then this year then it didn't help it made it too easy for them they had to they got to stay in Dublin the whole way up so they never had to go over and win a big tough game because mm. it was pretty easy from the whole way through. And then when you get to a final, it's like, sure, it's just another day, another final, another win in Dublin, another win in the Aviva. Mm. So hopefully they're supposed to be changing the Champions Cup back next year. So maybe might go back to pools of four or five again and you've got these real dogged matches to home and away, and away and stuff, yeah. make things difficult where it's not just well, you win two games and then you can throw out the B team or the C team for the rest of it. Like, and you can start putting 60, 70 points past teams because they were, weren't being drawn in tough pools. They weren't being in these little small pools. And the URC, as I said, they're, they're leaps and bounds out of everyone in the URC, mm. unfortunately. They, they might get the odd tough game against the South African side or Munster might push it to Munster now, every now and then. But mm. other than that, like, it's too easy for them coming up the whole way. And that 100%. takes that doggedness away from them because, and like, you look at La Rochelle, every game in the top 14 is massive. It's Every week, week in, week out, they're almost playing Champions Cup finals at the top 14. Yeah, you have a point. There's probably something there, yeah. But do you think also Leinster need to sign someone? The only one I can really think of that's coming up is Sam Prendergast that can kind of fill that 10 jersey. They already have the two Burn brothers they're missing there. Any players do they need anything? I don't think so. If I look at that squad now, I think there's that's probably the best squad in the whole Europe. Well, the starting team was you know? fully-fledged Irish 15, yeah, all capped. Yeah, but see... I didn't feel Doris was enough in the game at six. You know, then we had a conundrum who plays A for us. And then when Jack Cohen went off, he got some, geez, he had a great game. Yeah, he got some amazing front football for us. Um, then we started to see Doris come in, like there was some nice plays off a line out and then you can kind of see him carry a bit more. Now I know he's played, he's kind of, he's not too far behind. He's had a number of games at six, but I just Cohen saw... Had a, Cohen had a good first half though, oh, so I had a on, fabulous the side one. of the coin. So no, I mean, when he went off, I felt right, yeah. great, we got Doris in, but... You want them kind of functioning mm. together. But like, it's hard. As I said, it's it's a cup That's final. That's like and Penny there as well. Like you've got so many guys trying to get that right and figure out who's playing six, who's playing eight. And when you've got so many player, good players. so Bard actually had a one-on-one on, one on the blind side. I thought Gibson Park was going to get, um, who's the 10 again for La Rochelle? Anton Hastoy. Yeah. Hastoy, he had a mismatch. And I was like, just give him the ball. He, he's like two yards away from the line. So it's those moments where you kind of second guess yourself. Yeah, their squad's incredible. Like it's the incredible. Whole, the depth of it, like their yeah, B squad's even incredible. Like they, they probably could have gone on and win the URC. I think there's just a little dogged edge they're missing to get over that line. The fact that Munster beat Leinster, like Leinster's team was better, but Munster just had that dogged edge. That's like, all it was. You know yeah. what I mean? That's all it was. So maybe Jacques Nienberg is going to come in and do that. And I, I trained under him for two years and he just tunes you in. Like you just are out there with the right mindset. And he was in the... South African uh, World Cup winning coaching staff as yeah. well. So he Did knows what he's doing. incredible job at Munster when he was there because when Munster, when he first job. came in with, with, alongside Rossi, Munster were absolutely in probably the worst they've been in, in professional history. Yeah. And brought them back up to a semi-final of a, a, of a Champions, Champions Cup. Cup and a final of URC like within, yeah. within a season. Mm. So that was phenomenal. So, so that's really good because obviously Lancaster's leaving now. Yeah, he's, yeah, he's, to he's moving yeah. to Racing, which is fine. 
you do need to change it up some bit, so it might be a good little mix up there, Jacques Nienbar. What do you think about Liam Cullen's role, though? Is he signed on for another couple of years? Yeah, he signed a contract. Yeah, he signed on for another year, I think. Yeah. Something like that for what another season. What do you think of that, Lindsay? Him as the director of rugby. Now, supposedly from talking to the Leinster lads, Leo has nothing to do with the on-pitch training. He just does all the behind-the-scenes stuff, media, contracts, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, and I could see Nina Barr just coming in and slotting in to do what Stuart Lancaster and because obviously any of the lads we've had on the show speak so highly of Stu and Stuart <laughs> um, and how he runs the three teams and his training sessions and they're kind of working at 120%. You know, they train harder than what they would in games. Um, and even going back to that, yeah, I suppose you need you need to be blooded for for games to be mentally ready for big finals. But I think I think a fresh voice and a fresh training impetus and yep. new drills and all that will just reinvigorate them. And it's not that nothing's working. Sometimes you just run your course. You know, Stuart Lancaster made that decision. He needed to move on, and you always need you need a change. Mm. Yeah. Um, I think it'll be nice for Leo Cullen as well to have maybe new experience in there, different perspective, different views. Um, different ethos different character maybe to bring in so it'll be nice Yeah, it will it'll be good for Leinster lads and uh, I hope they're not too depressed it's obviously a really tough one to take Lindsay you know what it's like I know um, and I, my heart goes out so I really I hope they're good we're still very proud of them yeah we are we are of course and we're all we're all Irish at the end of the day like so uh, chin up lads because there's a World Cup coming and we need you in flying form next one Challenge Cup Toulon absolutely smashed Glasgow, 43-19, and that was Glasgow getting a couple of tries towards the end of the game. Mm. They were incredible. Now, they had their star-studded mm. Space Jam team, Toulon. Like, they were just <laughs> insane. I just, I kept checking, me like, is, is this the Challenge Cup? Like, yeah. this should be in the European Cup here. Um, they had Parise was there, Colby, Olivon, Villiers was on the wing. Like, it was they, just... They, they bigger starting, a bigger went off, like, bigger. injured with HIA, and then they bring fucking EI... Ohio West Ohio yeah. West on off the bench like who's an absolute a winner last year with Larisha so I mean like to be able to lose bigger and bring him off the bench you're like oh, gosh, yeah frightening so, so they gave Glasgow a good whoop and Baptiste Serene two tries he was flying form I actually always had um, a bit of sadness for Serene because he was the number one nine in France he was brought in the show he absolutely class he was the first DuPont mm -hmm. and then DuPont came in and yeah. Serene is nowhere near the team it's yeah. really sad, like, but uh, look, he's fine. He has a challenge cup under his belt, and he's playing really well. I'm sure he has a nice contract in Toulon, so I'm not that sad for him. Um, Parise also got a try, and you saw him um, hugging his misses and crying yeah. at the end. Did I you? Got a video of him hugging. He was, coming, he was coming towards me. Like, I was like, something's going on here. Like, so I was whipped the phone on. I was down a pitch side after the match. Like, I was like, something's going on here, and I just got the camera out. And I was like, oh, oh look at that. Oh, that's right. It was very cute. Well, what's he crying but, about? I think it's his last game. I think he's retiring. Yeah. I think he's retiring. Has he finished? Like he's finally hanging up his boots. Yeah, because uh, so Kieran winning a trophy like in a big final. There was thirty something thousand at that match on Friday. Like so, they've done a good job of bringing the Challenge Cup up to yeah, like they, they did in the football mm. years ago, where the Europa League is actually something you want to win now. And yeah. I'm pretty sure I think you get a spot in the Champions Cup next year, regardless of your league position if you win a Challenge you do, Cup. Yeah, yeah, as far as now, because yeah. Brian told us that last week on the show. So yeah, that's hand, so that's handy to have. Like so, they're looking at it that way. They're guaranteed that now, and they're back in the big competition where they belong next year. Yeah. Yeah, but um, with the preset thing, he was crying, and you're saying he might be retired because Kieran so. Crowley is that the Italian coach's name? Yeah, he didn't include him in his World Cup training squad or something. Or he announced some squad for internationals coming up, yeah. and he didn't put Preese in it. So, and Preese was asked, "Did he have any comment on it?" And he said, "I have no comment on it." So, like what it, age is he now? He must be thirty-six, uh, thirty-seven. Is no, he? he's thirty-eight. Thirty-eight. He's around a long time. He's still not. He's still. He's nearly he's as old as me. <laughs> he was unbelievable. And the shape, the nick, he's in for his age. Yeah. Yeah. He looks like he's still twenty-eight. And he like even the try he scored, he powered over. Like that guy could do a job for pretty much any team in the world. Mm. Still, yeah. And what a career! But I mean, maybe what they're trying to do in Italy is build a squad that's not like do you know what happened with. Ronaldo going into United and yeah. he just was trying to be the man and the squad didn't develop Priest is 39 years old maybe he'd go in there and he'd be taking over too much I don't know if I was, he, I'd he be never got his one song over like remember the day the game got cancelled at the World Cup where they were supposed to play New Zealand and over the, over the mm. hurricanes and stuff or whatever it was the cyclones and then he never got to play that and then Covid came so he never really got his big swan song goodbye with Italy yeah. I think maybe he's a little bit aggrieved over that yeah. maybe annoying but who knows he might come back out. It There's still a couple of months for him to um, you never know. patch things well, up. I think, he's gonna, I think he's finished now. To me, take that the, the, tears. the emotion like he was bawling and he couldn't keep it in. It's kind of like, I think that's a guy now that that's a weight off his shoulders. I'm going out and I'm and I'm getting to walk out of the game having won a European yeah. final in front of thirty odd thousand people in Dublin. Like so, I think yeah, he deserves point. it. You never get to walk out in your terms, and I think that's yeah, the best he that's can a hell ask of for. Way to walk out. You know, you don't want to 
you know, pick up a big injury now in a World Cup or, you know, you don't perform, you just, you're left with a bitter taste. Um, and I can speak from experience. We went, I wasn't going to play after the qualifiers and then come back to play against USA and we, we won and I got robbed to try off clean Maloney and you just get to walk out in your terms. I got Barra on my shoulders and brought him See, out on the pitch. So there's no. little things that you never have control of, but when they align like that, you just yeah. have that feeling and I'm sure what it feels of it. It's you just his time to go. After that, you would have been like, oh nah, no, yeah. I'll never, it's never going to get as good as no. that, so this is the time. Yeah, you know yeah. and you know and I think yeah. it's time has come. It just reminded me of, um, I think Raj, like, do you think there's a little bit of him that's delighted that he's beating Leinster and Johnny Sexton's team and he's getting that little edge over him because that battle as Rog kind of fell off his career Johnny Sexton was coming up mm, and all yeah. the anger between them I saw photos being posted of the time that Sexton was screaming at Rog and Rog was down on his knee Yeah, and I think there might be a little bit of something there because Rog also never got his send off from rugby no. in general mm, it was Munster awful. didn't give him one Ireland didn't give him one yeah. and he was actually getting abused by the media um, and I was just like, this is one of the guy, best guys to ever played a game. And now everyone loves him again. So you think there's a bit of that from Roger again? He's proving that he is still at the top of the game, even though he's in the coaching format now. 100%. You, you, like, the best thing you want to do is let your, like, whether it's a player or a coach, you want your rugby to do the talking. I mean, everyone can have verbals. I mean, it doesn't, you don't look very professional. It's not becoming, you just kind of let yourself down. But I think you, you everything he has done has spoke volumes and he might as well, you know, have given everyone... You know, the two fingers, it's basically. Kind of like, yeah, yeah it's like, invisibly so, giving two fingers yeah. to everyone. Something from the weekend as well, I thought it was hilarious because I was with a lot of people that weren't aware of this. So we were at the kind of EPCR breakfast mm. on Saturday morning for the, the, the champions, for the European Player of the Year. So there was loads of people there, all Yashfili and Ibanez mm. and Habana and stuff. And they were talking more previous winners and stuff. And I can't remember who I was talking to, but I was like, they were like, oh, when was this introduced? And I was like, oh, it came in in 2010. But they just named a player like the first year and they named him the greatest player of the last 15 years was Raj. So when they first brought the trophy in, they brought it in 2010. And they were like, okay, but, but the European Cup's been on for the last 15 years. We're like, okay, we'll just name one player who's been the best player for the last 15 years. And they named O'Gara. So he was the inaugural winner of the Amazing. European player year for a guy like, like over 15 years. They're like, yeah, you've you been the best. Yeah. So you look at that, like I remember, I remember like, as you said, like towards the end of his career, I think it was the Scotland game back in like 2013. They had a bad game kick. and he just kind of got thrown out like, like a piece of rubbish. And then he lost that semi-final against, was it Claremont or someone? Like he was crying afterwards no way, yeah. and he just said, yeah, I'm done. After yeah, it was really it. sad. I remember because I was coming up, I was a young fella coming up trying to make it and he, Roger's the man and he just wasn't getting respected like he should have been. Everything he's done, yeah. the way he used to play European Cup, spiraling, oh, spiraling into the corner in the old Thomas Park against Sale Sharks oh. and stuff. I'd be like, this lad is just on a different <laughs> level. He was. And he never got his parade like O'Driscoll got. Do you know what I mean? I just got his big balloon and everything, do you remember? Yeah. <laughs> big, big balloon and everything. <laughs> and I'm oh. sure Johnny Sexton will get the big send off. There'll be a bus going down Grafton Street. So, <laughs> but Roger got his two medals. I busted going down Grafton Street. Love it. <laughs> um, no, we love you, Raj. And also Sean Dougal's in the coaching staff there. Skin, uh, Donnick Ryan, as you yeah. said. Sean Dougal's in there. Sean Dougal's there as a contact coach and a part-time S&C. Hell no. He's looking yeah. Part-time S&C, the size of the... I know, the yeah. Well, I don't know what it is, yeah. Um, so fair play, lads. You're doing great stuff in Ultimate Land, obviously, as well. Incredibly good because... Um, we were on the ropes, big time, obviously. We were being steamrolled by a very impressive team. I knew uh, Goody would have a special or two up his bag, uh, up his sleeve, sorry, that I didn't expect it after whatever, 45 seconds, you know? So, it was a great uh, line-up play. They, they opened their batting with, and 7-0, uh, and then within six minutes, I think it's 12-0, and within 11 minutes, it's 17-0, so... You're not long away from getting hosed, which obviously wasn't the plan coming here. Um, so we have a very interesting culture in our team. It's changed a lot. The boys really care. I think it was easy to jump ship today, but they did the opposite. It was a 23-man effort. They dug in. They, they showed serious resolve. And they're, I think, worthy champions. Yes, of course. But we knew that Minster was going to to sort really hard really quick. I said to Miguel before, like even if it's twenty nil at uh, twenty minutes, it was seventeen nil. Fixed to the strategy and believing uh, what we worked uh, training for for the week. Then uh, was that was what uh, Sazu was saying is 
that we uh, when when we were under the opposition of the Minister Trust, there were no no worries that all the players knew uh, we were going to score on another game. But then it's a seven sitting nil. We had two options. Either they were scoring, it was going to be a really difficult game, or we saw a, a try, then this is what happened. So after we go to 17 7 and it's a different game. Yeah, I don't worry about it on the pitch. You just. Um, obviously, my captain, Bonnie Cross, relationship. Uh, saw a bizarre action when you go for a toss. Normally, you engage eyes, and no eyes were engaged. So uh, Greg was disappointed, let down, and. Uh, there was a little bit of that in terms of uh, obviously Leinster were the home team but in terms of accommodation for the families and uh, post-match gigs it was I think we're in Lansdowne you can't even get a room um, you know it's disappointing that fun but um, we got to uh, accept that we're seen as the little team but that's about to change Big matter on this weekend guys Munster are going back down to Cape Town I think they were flying Today I was talking to Shane Daly. Today. Um, they're really in good form. They're looking forward to getting down there and getting this done. Stadium sold out, Cape Town Stadium. Ten days before. It's it sold, sold out last week. Yeah, it's incredible. All the sappers are going to be there. I don't know. I'm sure Munster are going to be traveling. People always kind of travel down there. Cape Town's a lovely place to be as well. Snyman's going to be back, hopefully. Murray, Calvin Nash, Fekitoa. So it's Tyke Byrne will be there as well. We have him back. So it's going to be a full strength Munster squad, mm -hmm. hopefully. Lindsay. What do you think? Can Munster do it one more time, get another win this season? I actually have this good feeling that you will, yeah. I don't know why. I just think you have nothing to lose. I think uh, they have the best away record in the URC is it, with wins. Um, I think they have been too long out of finals. And I think what Munster men do very well is when they get in finals, they win them. Mm. I love that out of you, Lindsay. Thank you very much. You're very welcome. <laughs> it absolutely... <laughs> Killed me. But you're Imagine welcome. Monster win the URC and Leinster have no silverware. Oh my god! That's the god. way this year is going. That's how. That's how batshit crazy this year is going, and that's how I see it continuing. At the, at, the start, the at the start of the year, we were like, Monster might not make the playoffs, like, and now they're in the <laughs> final, maybe winning the thing. We're, we're, we're touching off for Champions Cup, Cup as well. Yeah. <laughs> for God's sake, I what love, a turnaround! I love rugby, lads. You know <laughs> it's nuts. Um, Pat pulled up the fact, and you probably knew this, Jason, as well. I'm actually going to ask you first. The, what's the last trophy the Munster have won? We won the 2011 Mag I'll tell you why because I remember watching it. I was on a J1 over in America. I had to watch it in an internet cafe when we beat Leinster in the 2011 final. In the Magners <laughs> League. In the Magners League. I had to watch it in an internet cafe. Yes, there was even internet cafe cafes were still around with us. We had to plug it into the wall. Because I had no laptop, no nothing. I had to go over and watch the match over in Ocean City, Maryland at whatever time. It was a stupid time and I watched yeah. that and it was, yeah. Enjoyable. That's so funny. He's 12, not in some Rainbow no, Cup final I mean, or something. Mickey Mouse or anything. That that last year. That is that's actually horrific. Like that is so bad. I don't but see no, I the I don't see the squad from that Magnus League. Can you pull that up, Pat? There, I, the, the I remember. I think Murray and I was playing. Okay, was it, was it Gary? Oh, Gary was in that squad. Yeah, Murray Gary's probably in, had that spiky kind um, of weird. Um, he did. Yeah, uh, I think Murray started alongside O'Gara in that game. I think Earlsy was in that squad. Earlsy was in that squad. Oh, Mahoney would have been in that Axel. squad. Axel would have been in that squad, but. Yeah. I think no, like as you said there, there's a bit of a buzz. Like I mean, I like, I wasn't on a show last week after, so I wasn't talking it since. But the week before, we were previewing it, and we were like, you know, I wasn't giving them a chance at all, and I didn't. You know, I wasn't obviously Mystic Greg, mm. but <laughs> look, I mean, going into that match, ju it's just the manner in which we won it as well. And, and I, 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 you can bang on the drum all day and go, it was Leinster's B team, but it was still on paper that Leinster you team still was, had better, to win was it. better than us. It was a, it was a stronger team than what Monster had. It was on in the Aviva and. To win it with it, and that was not a give me drop goal for Jack Crowley at all. It was not a give me drop goal. It was everything about it, and to score at the last minute to keep themselves in the game and keep getting themselves back up after conceding that try, like there's a buzz around. We're the only team to have beaten the Stormers mm -hmm. in the URC away from home since they entered the competition. We've done, we did that a few weeks ago. Yeah, you are just after beating Leinster. You're going over fifty five thousand people at this at in at the, in the stadium for the final. 
We're the home wreckers. Back. You've got all the boys back. Home wreckers. These are home wreckers. That's it. Monster home wreckers. So, Can we do it one more time? If there's ever a chance, there's a chance. Okay. Oh, here's the team now. I have this. it here in front of oh, me here. So I'll read it out from 15. So this, <laughs> is the, this is the Monster team <laughs> that beat Leinster in the 2010-2011 Magners League final. Magners League. Magners League. Oh, my God. Go on, give it to us. Oh, my God. So Felix Jones at full back. Oh, Jesus. Coaching now. Paul Warwick came on for him in the 76th minute. What a player, oh, what Paul Warwick was. Drop goal king. Doug Howlett on one wing. Uh, oh. Uh, Barnes on the other wing. Danny Barnes. Danny Barnes. Danny Barnes. Where's he gone? Oh, he stopped playing like when he was like 27, 28. I think his career kind of fizzled out a bit. Like, but he was actually Danny, class. He was he Munchins, wasn't he? I could have been. I, I I'm not munchins. sure. Okay, Barnes munchins. One the of the smell best, of nostalgia all of a sudden. Oh, one of the best players to ever play the game in Munster. I remember trying to uh, emulate him. Lafimi Maffey oh, in player. the centre. Holy oh, love. What a player, what a man. Star, man. Keith Earls, oh, obviously. Oh, Kate. <laughs> Ron O'Gara, obviously. Conor Murray, good yeah. shout. Well, Jason. Murray O'Gara, yeah. What age was Murray then? About 20, oh, I'd man, say. He, about 20. he has yeah. the spiky muller hair. Right? 21, you need to pull James, Co- James Coughlin is actually coaching Toulon then at the moment, and he was there the weekend on Friday. Like, so that's hilarious. James Coughlin <laughs> was there, yeah. James Coughlin would have played number eight, was it? Yeah. David Wallace is at nine. Donica Ryan. Donica Ryan is playing. And Paul O'Connell <laughs> in the second row. Paul O'Connell was captain. And uh, Donica O'Callaghan. Oh no, so so one of the lads would have been in the back row because Paulie and Donegal Callum would have been in the second, second row. Yeah, yeah. John Hayes, Damien Farley and Marcus Horn. Damien Farley, oh my God. Brilliant. On the bench then we Dennis Leamy came on and we'd uh, Dupree. Great squad, lads. That is hilarious. Um, so it has, it's been since those ads are playing the Monster. And right? Leamy's back in your coaching squad. Leamy's there as well. I think it's a sign. So I'm sure there's going to be a lot of chats this week about what it means to win and, and all those guys might come in chatting. Paul O'Connell might come into the dressing room chatting to them and just let them know what it's all about. Hopefully we can get it done. But who should Monster be looking out for in that Stormers team? I think if they can render Libok, like just he's a real big playmaker. He's so good. He's so good. Like he has actually, as the season's gone on, he, he kind of dipped. He's never, you know, still a dip in form with him. He's still world class, but he has been central, especially over the last couple of games to how good the Stormers have been. I think Seppi's going to be key. And, mm-hmm. you know, like um, Malherba at tight, uh, Kitsaf. Um, I think Libok has to be rendered. I think Willems, uh, he put him under pressure if, if you can get into his head I think early get both a few knockoffs both of them are going to be to watch yeah. out yeah um, I think yeah I think there's a couple of key players if you can kind of get them early in the game and put them under pressure I think don't let them grow into it but when they get going they can give behind the back passes they've world class mm-hmm. players they've a lot of like like Evan Roos hasn't had the best season, but he's able to get them front football. And when he gets them front football, they have some exceptionally skillful Two back players. The they against Con- some of those choice were outrageous, but that scrum is a big worry for me yes. because that scrum even got, they got et alive by Leinster and it wasn't even Leinster's starting scrum. No. And <coughs> they, they, they bullied us and, like, and it was multiple instances in that game like where they just had to get the ball out as quick as possible before they got chewed up and spat back out and when you look at that Stormer front row and how any South African front row first of all is going to be good that's, no, a, yeah, that's yeah, a particularly yeah. good club level front row well geez, it's like the Springboks you know, galore that's you, what tr- I mean. you know dotted so, throughout now the only thing is there. Jer- Jeremy Lockman is back and I thought he steadied the scrum fields last week right I thought Dermot Barron has, has really grown into his role he's young player he got some he was I thought he was he was lively last week yeah. he had a lot of good um, involvements and I know you you're is not his biggest fan, but Stephen Archer actually did okay last week. He scrummed well as well. Around yeah. the pitch, he was an absolute ham, like basically. But same with same, same with Salanoa when he came on. But like, they're the kind of things, they're the areas I'd be worried about. But he's a, a bit of, of a weakness. That game, yeah. Do you know what I'm? Do you know what I'd be interested to see as well in terms of the selection, right? So obviously Nash was out for that game, and Nash will be back. And Nash has been one of our best players all year. He's class. Mm. But Daly was unbelievable in that game. And so was Keith Earls. Keith Earls came out and Keith Earls rolled back the years. He was phenomenal yeah, against Leicester. So who do you drop? I mean, I I'm no thinking like, there, do you yeah. go Earls and Nash? Well, then you can't drop Daly. Daly was class. But Daly's played the most games and the most <laughs> minutes for Munster this year. He's so consistent. Yeah. He's played every... Like, you kind of have to pick him. Mm. Yeah. That's, it's, like, so unfair if you don't pick so him. After, he's been he's basically got been one of the, like, pillars of Munster this mm. year on that wing. Nash, just... Do you, 
becomes yeah, look, do you want a, a Keith Earls in a final like I said someone like Keith Earls who's been there yeah. played all those big games understands he won't sw- shrink under the pressure like, and he's got but all that experience I'd put him on the bench yeah. right because he's Maybe. utility he can come in a centre he can play in the wing um, points, what, so I'd put yeah. uh, I'd put have him in the start 23 boys. I'd start Nash and Shane Daly because I think consistently they're really really good they're confident and I think they need to be rewarded for that I think Earls fair play to him come back he was he hasn't lost any pace he hasn't lost anything but mm. I think he's definitely needs to be there for experience and as I said because he's a utility player and can play multiple positions I'd have him and your well, bench split centre do you bring Fekitoa straight back in and put Cowley back at 10 because Cowley was good at 12 the last day but no, I'd, probably yeah. going to bring Fekitoa back in and put Cowley at 10 and keep Healy on the bench as a kicking option yeah. Yeah. I think he's okay with his head clash now so he should be fine as well yeah, do, you yeah. start, do you start Murray then because it's a big file and have Casey on the bench because Casey was brilliant against Censor as well no tough like game management Casey starts Crowley starts at 10 okay. Murray comes off the bench to finish the game off the same with Keith Earls interesting and Haley a full back obviously because you need best full back in the URC this year I think yeah honestly. he's been incredible really consistent because the Stormers uh, they like back line, if, if they have Lebock on in good form they have people like the Zass on the wing they have Andrew Davids mm. who was running riot last week they Sabello Sonatla like these guys are just. I know you just you forget yeah. about one, then another crops up. You're like, I know there's we've so Snyman many. Back in as well, don't we? So we've Snyman back in. So if that's the case, say what? Snyman, yeah. Manny back to seven, Coombs eight. Yep. So it's going to be a great game because I think both squads are are fully fit, ready to go, mm. and battle it out for the URC. Stormers are defending champions, and they're at home, so that's a big factor. And the South Africans love their rugby. The stadium is going to be absolutely pressures on them, though. Do you not think? Hopping. Oh, it is. Yeah. Yeah. Especially the fact the Stormers already lost the Munster at home. Um, so do you know what I read actually about that final, which is really cool. Someone mentioned to me, and then I actually did a bit of research to look it up. The price of the tickets for the final. So they do it in South Africa. Apparently, it's a regular thing just to get fans into the mm. stadium. The cheapest ticket for the match for the converter to euro was three euro. Three euro to eighteen euro was the price of the tickets. In, it was in Rand so the Jeez, Cat A was 3 euro and a Cat A was like either 17 or 18 euros ticket but that's why then you've got a full sold out 55,000 seater stadium now because they make it affordable because they just, just want to fill up stadiums because yeah. they had issues before with the empty crowds and matches and they're like okay right let's make it cheap let's make it affordable get in watch some rugby mm-hmm. yeah, I've played in the Cape Town Stadium a couple of times and the fans are just some of the best in the world like they're all dancing singing what's the pitch vibes. like is it, a, is it kind it's, of it looked it crappy last week bit. yeah okay and I've heard through Pat, I'm not going to pretend like I got this myself, that there was a truck event on it recently. Oh, yes. I forgot the, like about a monster that truck that. thing. A monster truck. What rally. are they doing? Put monster trucks in the pitch well, before <laughs> URC final. Like, so I suppose it's all torn up. Um, but hopefully they That'll can That'll suit Munster as well. And the weather. It'd be great for Munster, yeah. You're well, not going down, it's too warm. Well, it's, there, it's there kind of autumn, isn't it, at this stage? Yeah. It's still going to be warm enough to under I'd say, but it'll probably be 20 degrees in there, but that's, that's fine. Yeah, yeah. Habana was saying last week it's like high teens, which is scorcher for us, but cold for them. So we'll see. So it means it'll be coming nice. Oh, the boys be out enjoying themselves, you know, 17, 18 degrees. Yeah. That's lovely, Dave. That's lovely weather for rugby. Yeah. Give me a prediction, Jason. Oh, do, 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 do. I am going to say that I'm going to back him this, this week. I'm going to have to back him because I'm sick of not backing him. Um, I'm going to back Munster to score. Munster to win by five. Nice. I like it. Hopefully you haven't jinxed it now going for them this time. Every time you go against them, they win. <laughs> I'm going to back him this week. Lindsay Pete. Use all your knowledge to give me a prediction for this weekend's URC final. Monster by three. Oh, it's in a drop goal again. Actually, it could be. Drop goal or a penalty. Brian Jack Crowley, boy. Yeah. Yes. I think Monster win by six points. Excellent. Just one more than you, Jason. Okay. Um, beautiful stuff, lads. I can't wait for that. Hopefully we're coming in this time next week with our Monster jerseys on. I'm going to bring one for you, Lindsay. Yeah. <laughs> can we, can we get on to I'll URC? just bring this. we get trophy in here next week? If yeah. we win it, we'll get, we get on to URC. Yeah, for get sure. To Adam, I know when you're seat, look, we want a trophy here for next week, okay? If we win it. <laughs> um, <laughs> Live show. Yeah, that'd be nice. Yeah, I'm sure you've got a replica in the Dublin office. Bring it over to us. That's it, exactly. And then we never did our Never Stop Competing moment of the week and I can't even believe there was a question from Pat about who it was going to go to. It <laughs> was Pat out joy here. <laughs> obviously going to Ron O'Gara's La Rochelle. They were 17-0 down and they came back and won. Fairness, and that is them. Never Stop Competing. Yeah. Moment of the week together with Bank Sorry, of Ireland. Okay. Well, uh, come here. At least we had a good Saturday night. We had a lap. We made up for it. We, 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 we went to town on that free bar let's be honest we did there was more, there was more shapes on the dance floor so, than in a, yeah. in a primary school yeah yeah, that's it. yeah for sure okay so we'll be back next week guys hopefully with a monster win oh um, this is going to kill me <laughs> like, 
<laughs> Lindsay, thanks a million for coming in. I know you're upset and hung over. Jason, same to you. <laughs> My eyes are open in case yeah. anyone's watching this on YouTube. <laughs> thank you so much for listening and watching. And thank you, Bank of Ireland, our partners and proud supporters of the four Irish provinces. We'll catch you next week for the Munster win. Fingers crossed. See you then. Joe presents House of Rugby together with Bank of Ireland, proud supporter of the four Irish provinces.